You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Well, I want to start off with, I'm going to touch on the Dolan trial. I was in uh, court for that, but this horrifying story out of Duxbury. I don't know what it is with the South Shore, but the South Shore is just having, uh, South Shore, Massachusetts, having a terrible first month of 2023. Let's pick it up with some of the news that came out. Again, it's a uh, unimaginable story. We are following breaking news in Duxbury. Two young children are dead and another is in the hospital. You can see investigators there around the house where it happened as they try to figure out exactly what the chain of events were this evening. Police got a call from a man who lives in the home just after 6 o'clock this evening. What they discovered when they got to that house was heartbreaking. The night team's Caroline Goggin live in Duxbury tonight with all the breaking details. Caroline? Adam and Kim officials believe this situation involves a mother and her three children, two of whom are dead tonight in a situation that is bound to rock this community. This is an unimaginable, senseless tragedy. An investigation underway after tragedy in Duxbury. The Plymouth County DA says two children are dead and one is in the hospital after being found unconscious in a Summer Street home tonight. I have Marshfield, Kingston, and Pembroke on the way with ambulance. It all started with a 911 call. Duxbury police received a 911 call from a male resident who arrived home and reported the attempted suicide of the adult female resident who had jumped out of the window in the wife. When crews got on scene, they found the woman who was taken to the hospital to be treated. But then first responders made a grim discovery. Oh. First responders subsequently located three children under the age of five, oh. unconscious with obvious signs of trauma. The DA says a five-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy were taken to the hospital where they died. An eight-month-old boy was flown to a Boston hospital where he is currently being treated. As this investigation continues, officials have a message for the Duxbury community. This is not uh, something that happened randomly. This is uh, People should remain safe, believe that they are safe in their homes and on the streets here in the town of Duxbury. Whew. I mean, not far from... I mean, obviously, well, if you know the South Shore, obviously not not far from Cohasset. I mean, just terrible. I want to hear, um, this is uh, the briefing that the police gave. And um, again, something happened. The husband went out to get takeout food, and then it was the mother that set? did this to her own children. I have more details and have photos, but right. I'm not going to um, share it at the moment. I'm Tim Cruz. I'm the Plymouth DA. I'm here with um, Lieutenant Colonel Scott Warmington of the State Police, Duxbury Police Chief Mike Carbone, Duxbury Fire Chief uh, Rob Reardon. Some brief information for you. Remember, this is a this just occurred a few, couple hours ago. It's an ongoing investigation, and it's very active. Um, here to update you tonight on a double death investigation here in Duxbury. At approximately 6.11 p.m. tonight, Duxbury police received a 911 call from a male resident at 47 Summer Street. The husband. Who arrived home and reported the attempted suicide of the adult female resident who had jumped out of the window in the home. His wife. Upon arrival, the Duxbury police and fire located the woman. She was transported to a local hospital for treatment, where she currently remains. First responders subsequently located... Three children oh. under the age of five, unconscious, with obvious signs of trauma. 
five-year-old girl oh. and a three-year-old boy oh transported to a local hospital where they were pronounced deceased. Terrible. An eight-month-old infant boy was med-flighted to a Boston hospital where he remains at this time receiving treatment. As I say, this is an active and ongoing investigation. We are still in the process of notifying next of kin. Uh, no identification is coming out at this point. Um, this is an unimaginable, senseless tragedy, and it is an ongoing investigation. One thing that we do want people to understand here in the Duxbury area, and this is not uh, something that happened randomly. This is uh, people should remain safe, believe that they are safe in their homes and on the streets here in the town of Duxbury. I'll have uh, the Chief uh, Carbone say a couple words about that. Evening. I just uh, want to reiterate what uh, uh, DA Cruz said that uh, this is an isolated incident and there is no further threat to the community. Um, we feel. You know, the, the year started with, you know, Brian Walsh and the gruesome discovery of his Google searches, right, with the wife, Anna Walsh Cohasset. And it seemed, it still seems unimaginable. How could a husband do that to his wife with and then you have the three three boys ages two through six upstairs well we're not even out of the month of january how could a mother something i mean the the husband from what we understand went to pick up takeout and then he comes back so I, I, again i we don't have all the information on this but I think it's the same. How how could a mother do that to the little boy, the little girl, and then the eight-month-old, still an infant? It is so disturbing with the news. Again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, I was in court for the Officer Dolan trial. He's the Pawtucket police officer in the prosecutor did a masterful job dolan's he's the Pawtucket police officer off duty shot the unarmed teen the um I, i'm going to read just some of the comments but l- let me play this was the sound of um channel 12 did a, a piece on it and um i just i want you to hear it dolan was saying he would just want to have a fatherly chat with the teens he was afraid they were going to hurt themselves or someone else and so what he did was he shot the kid when he was pulling away. I mean, it, it makes no sense at all. And um, while he was off duty, supporter Sheena Lushuto gets us I caught saw up Sheena on the developments court. today. Sheena. Well, we know Dolan was off duty at the time, and on the stand today, he admitted he really had no authority to act the way he did, no. try to intervene or possibly try to pull someone over Unregistered while in truck, West Greenwich and off duty. Drinking. But he says after seeing that Audi speed on the highway, he felt like he had to do something. Fatherly chat. So you are talking like this is a takedown of Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. This is a pizza place in West Greenwich <laughs> with three teenagers. 
Daniel Dolan takes the stand himself on day five of his assault trial, where he says he doesn't think he did anything criminal on that June day in 2021. He says in this moment, captured on video, he was just trying to park, but then the black Audi drove toward him in a matter which Dolan describes as aggressive. The driver of the Audi, however, testified that he intended on swinging his car around and backing into a spot when Dolan all of a sudden drove up next to him. Isn't it possible that they see a road rage incident and you're the rager? Yes. It's possible initially until I present the badge. Dolan says he wanted to give the driver a, quote, fatherly talk about the driving habits he witnessed on 95 South. At first, he says he wanted to park in the pizza shop's lot and just watch the Audi, but then that plan changes. Dolan says the car tried to drive away once they spotted a law enforcement officer, and soon Dolan says he's in front of the Audi, fearing for his life. I believe that I was going to fall in front of the vehicle and get trapped under the vehicle and dragged down the road and seriously injured or killed. Dolan says as a last resort, he got his weapon out, hitting the driver of the car in the arm. The teenager, though, told the jury he wasn't sure if Dolan's badge was real. I don't think any police officer ever wants to use that. And I know I especially did not. Now, the state and the defense have different interpretations of what exactly unfolded that day back in 2021. The victim, the teenager who was shot, says Dolan shot him from the side. Dolan claims he was in front of the car. The trial continues here tomorrow morning. Well, as a matter of fact, the, it is now closing arguments. The jury has the case. Now, what, what really backs up the teens was, as I had said, and that was the eyewitness that was driving by at the time, and no matter how much uh, Michael Colucci, who's the defense attorney, who's tried. I mean, the guy's done a masterful job with the case he has. He really has. Um, he has tried to, but uh, the, the guy wouldn't budge. The guy said, listen, I know what I saw. He was on the side of the vehicle, which means he wasn't in the way of it. And then, and yesterday... The prosecutors, who, again, did a fantastic job, um, granted, you know, when you when you can get this guy, he had to take the stand. Officer Dolan had to take the stand. And the, the prosecutors just, I mean, they, at one point they were even saying, so you, you, you know, I, I found myself in front of the vehicle. He was like, you found yourself? You walked in front of the vehicle. Michael Colucci, again, I think uh, he's the defense attorney. He, I think he did the best he could. It was a very, very difficult case. And where the prosecutors just... Assistant Attorney General Daniel Guglielmo, Daniel Guglielmo, Chief of the Office Civil Rights Division, he, he was very good on cross-examination. And this his business where he was very dramatic. He was excellent in front of the jury. He was saying, you know, you didn't find yourself in front of the car. Like, you floated down in front of it. You walked in front of it. And apparently, three separate occasions that night, he told investigators that he walked in front of the car. He also pointed out that his uh, palm prints and handprints were on the vehicle. He initially said that he had backed up 
and the car hit him. Now they have him on, actually on the car. Nowhere in those reports, he said, did you ever say you were bumped by the car? You come here expecting the jury to believe you were bumped, knocked backwards by that car. And then at one point he said, you know, so you, you leapt, you jumped out of the way as you were shooting in like a Rambo style. He was mocking him. It was effective, though. It was. I was there. It was effective with the jury. And he said to Dolan, now you're changing your story. You believe you want the jury to believe this whole thing happened because you wanted to give fatherly advice. Yet you come roaring up next to them. You come out with the badge. And I think this was the line that kind of summed it up. You were driving an unregistered truck with an open beer bottle in the front seat. He was also speeding on 95. Pulled in the idea, you're going to teach this little punk kid a lesson. Isn't that right? And Dolan said, no, sir. He asked, you're, you're creating this dangerous situation. You had no authority to stop that vehicle. None. No authority at all. Asked why he jumped out of the truck so fast if he only wanted to observe the situation, as he had said earlier. Dolan said he pulled out of the truck looking for a tactical advantage at that point. <laughs> Wanting to get to the occupants out of the car before they could get out and possibly surround them. And this was the line... You're talking like this is the takedown of Al-Qaeda. This is a pizza stand. <laughs> Again, I'm not laughing. Um, uh, listen, he, he snapped for whatever reason. He was angry. He went after them. And then when those kids would not stop for him, he he lost it. And here's also the notion, and I, I don't recall if if the prosecutor actually said this. But think about this. I wanted to, and he was trying to, Officer Dolan of Pawtucket, the off-duty police officer, was trying to say, I was, I was trying to make sure nothing would happen to them. I wanted to have a fatherly chat with them. So you wanted to make sure that nothing would happen to them, so you shot him. I mean, it, it just, listen, the reason why it doesn't make sense is because it doesn't make sense. Like, it's not your imagination, like, and I don't mean to use the word like, but it's it's not your imagination when you hear this and think, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it does not make sense. Of course it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because I don't think it's, but this fatherly chat, however he came up with that line, I want to just hear how it played on Channel 10. A fatherly chat. He came darting out, badge out. Again, not in his clothes. He then, Dolan admitted, all right, maybe he should have parked over to the side, like kind of observed them a little bit. Let me hear. This is how Channel 10 presented the, uh, the defense then rested after that. He was the only witness that they called to the stand. I did see uh, Joanna Burris in, in court. So I want to hear how just hear how they uh played this out a little bit or their coverage of it there's the the dolan trial off-duty Pawtucket police officer. Daniel Dolan says he feared for his life as the car moved towards him so he says he fired a shot at the vehicle filled with teens Daniel Dolan who served a decade in the Marine Corps and six years with the Pawtucket police took the stand in his own trial Tuesday Dolan is accused of shooting teen driver Dominic Vincent on June 23, 2021, after he sped past the off-duty officer on I-95. It appeared consistent to me with 
a suspect fleeing from the police. Why did it appear consistent with that? He just, it just, to me, it showed a disregard for human life. Dolan was in an unregistered white truck with a six-pack of beer in the passenger seat, so he didn't chase the car. But when he got off 95 in West Greenwich, he spotted the Audi and followed it into Wicked Good Pizza. In the car was Vincent and two other teenage passengers. That was my intention to approach and have a fatherly chat with this young man. Dolan says he flashed his badge to try and make the driver stop. The prosecutor says he had no police authority there to do that. So your badge that you showed has no more authority than a badge found in a Halloween store. Isn't that correct? In West Greenwich. Yes, sir. And you're not obligated. You're not obligated under any policy of your department to get involved in what you got involved in. Correct? Obligated with my heart, sir. Dolan says the Audi started moving, defying his command to stop. He shook his head and he said, no. Dolan testified Vincent then drove forward, knocking him off balance. He says at this point, he feared for his life and demonstrated for the jury his next move. I extend my pistol. I aim at the operator through the windshield. And I make one last jump out of the way to my right while firing at the same time. So if you are talking like this is a takedown of al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. This is a pizza place in West Greenwich <laughs> with three teenagers. Do you see the difference in where you gotta use judgment here? The bullet from Dolan's police handgun hit the driver in the left arm. He followed, called 911, and rendered first aid to the wounded driver. Again, uh, just... I don't know. That was a tough one to watch. Officer Dolan trial. Prosecutors did a, uh, a strong job, but it was like we have talked about. That was it's a tough case. I, I I don't know what was going through his mind, but that was uh, the wrong decision. Actually, fire his weapon off duty, unarmed teen. Officer Dolan trial from Pawtucket. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508 508- 252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 you can always listen online at the website petro.com joining us right now he's a columnist of the boston globe it is uh, Dan McGowan. And Dan, you have a, a great piece. I've, like a lot of people, gotten to know him uh, over, over the past several years. 
and uh, Chief Clemens leaving Providence. This is, you know, it's actually the textbook case of, of, of how you want to leave when you have a high profile position like that. He's he's been there through some pretty tough times, but that is that is a big loss for the department of the city. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. We were I was with him yesterday, followed him around a little bit and went to his uh, we were we were in the uh, heading into his office and just outside of his office. There's a, um, you know, a plaque that shows every Providence, the name of every Providence police chief. Uh, and you take a look at it and, you, you know, you start with the last one, Dean Esserman, you know, Pregano, like you go through lots of these people. And the truth is very rarely. Does the police chief of a city like Providence, Providence in particular, actually get to leave, like you said, on their own terms? It's not always scandal. Uh, you know, it, it, sometimes it's it's you, you know you get a promotion, you go to the state police, or you go, you know things like that. But you know the the the, the thing that that Cur- that Colonel Clements made clear to me yesterday was you know like even as he started the journey kind of up the ladder in the Providence Police Department he always wanted to be somebody who could walk into the building when he leaves you know and and the truth is there aren't a lot of those guys Dean Esserman can, can you know has, has virtually never been to uh the union offices over there no. off of Man Ave uh, rarely would you see him pop into the public safety office, uh, the public safety complex after he left. Um, Chief Clements is the rare person who, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who I think will be celebrated every time he uh, and he's anywhere in the city. I mean, you, you just you spend any time with him, even outside of, you know, let's say the police departments or the, the union hall, people love the guy. And, uh, and I, I think, I mean, to me, certainly he's the only chief that I've ever covered deeply. I covered the end of Esterman, as you know. Um, but he, I think he goes down as probably the most impactful and, and potentially the best police chief this city has ever had, which is yeah. saying a lot. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, now he's, he's moving on to Washington where he's, I think he's really excited. I mean, the, the, the reviews and sort of the, um, the review he got as he was being vetted, I mean, he got it from the highest places. Gina Raimondo was making phone calls, you know, David Cicilline making phone calls and they liked him. The DOJ liked him because he had the connection to the, you know, the leadership of the police department, the rank yeah. and file and the community, right? He's one of the rare guys that kind of wins uh, support from almost all three of them. Yeah. Between the, um, well, the summer 2020, but then also, you know, it was also real last last spring. And I told him that when he he marched and they got applause in in at Pride Fest in, yep. in June. That was something that, you know, that's a community that traditionally didn't they never really had a great relationship with police. So that was a different uh, definitely different with Chief Clements. Now, Dan McGowan, one thing that jumps out that you know, Pete, you're the first one I'm seeing reporting this. How much has he walked away <laughs> with paid over three years? Yeah, yeah, this is a big one. I, I joked with him yesterday. I said you could buy yourself something very nice. He's getting two hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars over three years. And the thing about this is, is he is one of the last. Uh, in fact, I think the only other person that would be eligible for this at this point is uh, Major LePayton. Um, he, he, they're the these guys are the last of sort of the the old rules of Providence, which was 
that you could cash out all of your sick and vacation time, um, particularly when you were a uh, a non-union employee. And remember, you know, once you move up the ranks major to chief, you're no longer a member of the union. And so a bunch of years ago, in fact, one of the first big stories, not big, but one of the first stories I covered as a journalist here was sort of these generous payouts that were being oh. given to people. Uh, the city council reformed that as, it was uh, John Igliozzi at the time, and to some degree, Mayor Tavera has really pushed this. But uh, Hugh Clements is is the is probably the largest beneficiary of uh, kind of that old rule, which is yeah, you cash out your sick vacation. They spread it out over three years, so you can't get it all at once. But uh, that is a lot of money that he is taking with him uh, to. He's going to be very comfortable as he heads to Washington. Jim McGowan, what's the process now of who's going to replace him? I mean, I, the latest I heard is they're going to take three candidates. He's involved in the process. He is, um, he is involved in the process, and he's being yep. a, a little bit cagey, uh, as understandably with me, about you know how it exactly is going to work. From reporting that I've done, from what I can tell, it sounds like the three, I'm going to say front runners right now, are the number two currently Oscar Perez, yeah. uh, who's only relatively newly, uh, um, you know, promoted to that number two position. Yeah. Uh, I think David LePayton, I think Major LePayton uh, is in the running, and I think Kevin Lanny, uh, another major in the department. Yeah. Uh, I think those are your three. Yeah. Uh, one one thing that I do know that that Colonel Clements um, is, I think, uh, I, I would say aggressively uh, pushing for uh to mayor smiley is you gotta pick from within uh you yeah. know the, he, i think they think that they've built up a department that it, that is qualified that has qualified people to do that job um and you know i think he what he said is look there, there's always the chance that you can go outside with somebody who's who knows the department remember you know one of the the, the legacies of chief clements that people sometimes we'll, we'll probably overlook is the number of people who have gone on to be police chiefs elsewhere. Uh, you know, Tommy Oates in Woonsocket, uh, yeah. Michael Correa, uh, certainly Dean Isabella, you know, there's yeah. lots, you know, who will not be, uh, who will not be the next police I think chief. Isabella missed the memo they went higher from within. I think he's got a challenge, but wow. all that being said, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who potentially could come right in and do that job, but I know, uh, I know Chief Clements is, is, is advocating for an internal hire. I mean, one thing about LaPayne, who I know and I'm friendly with and I deal with all the time, but I mean, he's the number three and, you know, Oscar Perez just got the number two slot. Yeah. So kind of passed over him. Um, I think it's some variation of of Lanny, who you know is very tight with the chief, and, yes. and Oscar Perez. So, I think it's going to be some combination of one two there. I'm not well, sure. Well, it's who interesting. The one's going to be and who the two. It's interesting. There's been you know the, uh, Brett Smiley has been uh, you know has said he wants to do this kind of somewhat somewhat public process for the search, um, and and I think to their to their credit, go local editorialized recently and said you know it's kind of a farce. Uh, to some degree, that's true, right? They kind of know roughly what they want. But from what I've been told, one of the things that Mayor Smiley does actually want to see in this search process is he wants to see how the, the finalists, whenever they're named, actually do engage in, in conversation sure. when they have a public hearing. Because that that's important, right? The the, the truth is the three guys that, that you and I kind of are zoning in on, Perez, Payton, and Lanny, 
Um, they're, they're all, you know, they all have some level of public facing jobs, but it's possible that they haven't quite had the, you know, the real kind of the scope on them. Um, you know, when, when the, when the community's coming in and asking the hard questions that are uncomfortable yeah. for, for police departments. And so it'll be interesting to see how each of them handles it. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think there's a, there's a dilemma here by moving Perez into the number two spot. Which it, Alorza did, by the way. That's it's a, not a smiley move. The that's, ex- that. that's exactly right. And it puts the mayor in a tough spot because I think for a long time, you've been around a long time, you know this too. I think everybody has seen Perez as a future police chief at some point. Yeah. I'm not sure right. that anybody thought he was going to be the next police chief, but mm-hmm. by being the number two, you know, big question that comes Friday, right? Last Chief Clements' last day is Friday. Mm-hmm. What happens to who? Who's the interim chief yeah. in that moment? Because Chief Clements says, "Look, you can't not have a top guy. There has to be somebody mm-hmm. making a decision." So keep an eye on that for Friday. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan with Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident, go to At Med Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing, at-med urgent care when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, that's right, in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, who has a great piece today. And uh, Dan McGowan, what what is taking so long? (laughs) When is there going to be a new president named at Rhode Island College? It's a bizarre thing, John, because because there's a couple of things here, right? So last year, right around this time, we were talking about Frank Frank Sanchez, excuse me, um, you know, announcing that he wouldn't be seeking renewal of his contract. And at the time, everybody said, oh, this is great. He's announcing it in January. He'll finish up in June. By then, we'll have conducted a search and we'll be ready to go. And remember, there was... You know, there was a, some momentum. In fact, I wrote about it, uh, about potentially maybe Jim Langevin would be a fit for right. this job. And the truth is they, they never really got off the ground on the search. Now, there were some changes. The, you know, the post-secondary commission uh, um, uh, chairman changed. Now it's David Capriel, as you know. Uh, the Board of Education chairwoman, Barbara Cottom, left. And so the folks in higher education in this state are saying, look, we, you know, we had some changes. We had to put things on hold. They never announced that hold, let's be clear. They never told anybody that there would be. What they did was relatively quietly uh, just a couple of weeks ago is extend the contract of the interim um, president, Jack Warner. Uh, So he'll be there through June of 2024. 
Uh, and so it, it, the search is supposed to get underway in the spring, but it's very strange to go almost a full year. It, yeah. will, it will certainly be longer than a full year, but a, a full year without even really having a true search. Mm. Uh, and, and I find that strange in particular from, from, yep. a, from a governor who now there are lots of people who will say, well, the governor doesn't exactly have a lot of control over the process nonsense you know governor Ramundo got to pick her her, yeah. uh, her president at rick and certainly at ccri um i've been a little bit surprised that a, you know a governor who's very heavy on education and who knows that rhode island college as you and i both know very well needs a lot of uh needs a lot of work right needs needs, needs probably more funding but also needs to make a lot of tough decisions at the college you know they got a lot yeah. of empty dorm rooms they got a lot oh, of yeah. challenges and, and we really haven't seen um, a whole lot when it comes to this search. I have no, I, I couldn't tell you right now, John, who I think would be the front runner um, to keep that job other than to say, I think Jack Warner has gotten a lot of hot, kind of rave reviews. People like him, but he is not the long-term solution for, no. uh, for Rhode Island college. No. And Warner, I mean, I, I met him when boy, he had his hands full with those debates. Of yeah. College this past fall but the school and tragically has kind of lost its identity because of that whole you know the free tuition at ccri that's right they lost a, a lot of people so it, it is certainly not thriving but that is definitely a decision that that governor mckee needs to make now folks again we're speaking with uh, dan mcgowan of the boston globe i want to point out the boston globe has some great pieces today between uh the the, the patriots now have moved very aggressively with the hire of their offensive coordinator and and also the I don't know what is going on with South Shore, but Dan McGowan, 2023, this is another unimaginable, tragic story out of Duxbury, not oh. far from Cohasset. And, uh, and it's just one of those stories. I, it just is unimaginable. Again, folks, you can read about it in, in the, the Boston Globe, but it, it broke on, uh, on Tuesday night. Um, Dan McGowan, also in the Boston Globe, this is such an odd situation that's taking place in Charahoe. <laughs> It is a bizarre situation. Uh, one, because who, I mean, frankly, who cares about the Charaho school board typically, right. right? It's not something we normally care about. But the fascinating thing is, you know, there's this opening of the school board and Charaho is the one of the one school districts in Rhode Island, maybe one of the, you could count on one hand and maybe less than one hand, the number of school districts that actually have a true political divide on their board, right? You, you know, Rhode Island, you know, in Providence and certainly in the, the, you know, the cities, you don't have a lot of discussion from, let's say, conservative members of, of society, right? It's, right. it's the Democrats that control, you know, everything. And, and, and the question up here is only how far, you know, how progressive are you going to get in a lot of ways? Down in Charho, you know, you have that regional school district with Charlestown, Hopkinton and Richmond, of course, and, you, there was a real movement this past election. It was one of the real, like, kind of unsung stories uh, of conservatives in this state who won a couple of school board seats, who have, um, you know, successfully uh, at least, you know, come close to kind of evening out that board in terms of, you know, again, your, your, you know, more kind of standard, almost looks like, 
kind of the conversation you see in Virginia to some degree about, you know, you have a, a handful of school members who you know are concerned about the finances. You certainly have the question about curriculum, critical race theory, all that stuff. And then you, you, you do have on the other side of kind of a more progressive um, group of, of counselors. And so they've got this opening basically and because somebody resigned and, there, and then there's a debate over who should be appointed. So the, the Democrats want the, uh, the person who was the highest vote getter who didn't win um, in the last election, who came 27 votes short. She happens to be a Democrat, which is why they want her. They wouldn't be having this argument if, they were, if, if it was a Republican. I, I can assure you that. Um, but the Richmond Town Council, who gets to appoint this person uh, went with um, uh, Clay Johnson, who's kind of a well-known provocateur here and, and has been around, a, you know, a long time and has run for state rep. He's a conservative. He provides almost direct, even, I think now that would be a six, six board between conservatives and, you know, liberals or Democrats there. So it's a fascinating political situation. And then there's an, there's just an interesting legal question of who actually is right here because there's conflicting language between the, you know, the town charter in Richmond versus the state law that created that regional school board. Uh, I can assure you that Charo is not not going to get a lot of attention for the next uh, couple of years, but it's definitely going to get some attention for a couple of weeks right now. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And uh, also, it was a big story in the Globe. Did you were you part of the group that took the train with Governor McKee and all the people from Providence to Central Post Pawtucket? I took a pass on that. Yeah, on that trip. But yes, there was a uh, we we had a couple of uh, reporters go with everybody, and yeah, you, know, you got the opening. I know everybody's been very excited about that. I'm I'm curious to see how it works. Everybody, you know, the 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 messaging right now from from Pawtucket certainly uh, in Central Falls is. This is going to, you know, people are going to be willing to move here. But you hear from people and they say, look, it's not in the best part of town. It's not around a lot of housing. It's not, you know, going to be a convenient trip even to the soccer stadium if and when it gets, you know, finalized and built. And so uh, I think they're going to have some challenges there. Uh, and, and really, for me, I mean, I go Providence to Boston. So it's actually just another stop that's going to be annoying to me. Right. And Dan McGowan, all this talk about economic development, I mean, I, I didn't hear anyone mention Wickford Junction. I mean, in Wickford, that train station, that, that garage holds 3,500 cars. The only time I, I've used it was when they did the COVID testing there. That is a, a beautiful train station. But that, that certainly, I mean, what economic, there's yeah. nothing opened around there. Yeah, every, every story, I mean, look, I, I think, you know, every investigative journalist in Rhode Island has done the story, of, you know, take the train, do the stand up on the train and right. show you that nobody's, you know, nobody's taking it from, you know, from Wickford to, uh, to Providence. Uh, and you can expect more of that. I suppose the argument here is that it, it ends up just being another stop. And so maybe, you know, it's it's a little less uh, maybe inconvenient from Wick for, for you know going to Pawtucket, but I right. think you raise the right question because we we haven't seen you know that massive growth because of it um, in Wickford, and without a lot more work, I don't see how it you know how you're going to see the area around that Pawtucket and Central Falls station really built up. Um, I think it's I think it's the the thing to watch the one. You know, hope I think a lot of the, the mayors there have is Dan McKee's a Blackstone Valley guy. He's always yeah. had a 
kind of a soft spot, certainly for Pawtucket, but I think for Central Falls too. And maybe he can, you know, really steer economic development strategy that way. But that's asking a lot from a, from a governor who's got a lot on his plate right now. Yeah. Folks, again, you heard me mention, especially his uh, columns on Rhode Island College, the lack of a search is the best way to describe it right now. And also, especially with Hugh Clements, uh, I start my weekday getting reading roadmap folks in of rise right in your inbox. And what I also love, it's links, all the big stories in the Boston globe, will it be about Bill O'Brien or this uh, tragic situation that has happened in uh, Duxbury. Be so kind to just uh, offer that, explain to people how they can start getting roadmap tomorrow. Yeah. The best part, completely free, right? And we're going to ask you to, we're going to ask you to subscribe to, you know, to read a lot of stories, but this thing, you get it completely free right to your inbox. You get uh, the gist of what's happening. Here's what the lawmakers are doing today. Here's where the governor is. You get my column, you get all the stories from my colleagues at Globe Rhode Island. And then like John said, you know, I'm going to round up kind of the, the most, the stories I find most relevant to you that are regional, that are of Massachusetts, that are interesting sports. Um, and all you have to do is you don't have to click anything. Just send me an email, blank email to rinews at globe.com. I'll know what it is, rinews at globe.com. I'll sign you up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, great job as always. And we'll talk to you again. Talk soon, John. Thanks. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. You know, there's a, a story uh, that's out there about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And it's, it's really amazing how much he just, you know, there is an example of someone who just calls them like he sees them. And, you know, if, if anything... Um, just just absolutely you know identifies what in fact a problem is so um he he has come out the governor of florida and said he is targeting unions school boards proposed banning teachers unions from automatically deducting dues from paychecks imposing stricter term limits on school board members and allow school board candidates to reveal their political parties. You know, that just in, in what he is saying, that is, there is someone identifying what the problem is. You know, here we have a governor, as we've talked about, that it, it, they don't want to identify what's the problem. For instance, in, in, in the Providence schools, a, a huge part of the problem that no one wants to talk about, it's like they won't list the word. But a huge part of the problem is, in fact, it's it's the teachers' union, right? It's not an accident that in the charter schools, they can get rid of a bad teacher. In the charter schools, the principal is actually in charge. In the charter schools, they can work longer hours. The charter schools, they seem to be more of a dedication and a focus on learning. And you don't have that. You simply just don't have that because of the teachers' unions. But they skirt around it. And none of the Rhode Island leaders seemingly truly have the guts to take them on. So no one wants to, in fact, 
really address what what the problem is right they may they may talk about and try to go around it but no one will come right out and say you know these people are the problem that's the problem with the public schools it, they act like it's all just a a big mystery like gee this is so odd that how come we can't fix our school system and and the, the worst is the example in providence where it it's it's as if they're all it's the emperor has no clothes no one will come out and address what is the real problem with why they can't improve the schools and then you have someone like the governor of florida ron DeSantis, that comes right out and talks about what it is so um and it is that it's the unions have too much control period end of story it's just he he is not afraid to address it and i think this is really going to come into play in the you know you around here you don't hear anyone speak out about the power of the teachers unions how they're the problem and how they are in fact blocking any progress with education at the Rhode Island State House or wherever it is so now someone who's starting to talk about it a little bit who is in fact aside from Governor DeSantis who's talked about it is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo so CBS had a story this morning where he is right now looking at a possible run in 2024 i think that'd be a good thing and i want to just um play a little bit of this piece mike pompeo and yeah great to be back he's got a new book I'm, i'm in a fantastic mood it's wonderful to be here i'm glad i'm glad to talk to you but i want to start with this because it's been such a heavy day and it seems like we have more and more of these stories every single day i'm it breaks my heart it makes me ill we're, we're talking, of course, about the mass shootings. There have been Teacher 38 unions? mass shootings across the country so far. In 2023, Mr. Secretary, that's more than the days yeah. of the, that we've had at the beginning of the year. What do you think needs to be done? And I know it's not an easy answer, yeah. but it's just something that you can tell us before we move on to your book. So I, I grappled with this when I was a member of Congress. These are tough problems. There's no easy answer. I, I think we're going to find that you know some of these were in California, some of the toughest gun laws in the exactly. country. My guns were probably possessed illegally, although I think we don't know all the facts yet. Uh, I think some of this is cultural. That is, we need to make sure that the family is, families are intact, that there are good mental health services available for people that are struggling. Uh, there's, I wish there was a simple answer. You know, I watch not only these mass shootings, but I watch uh, in the inner cities of America being a tough place where there's kids getting killed every night. Uh, um, we, need, we, need to, we need to be an America that understands that every life matters, and we need to make sure that we have support for our law enforcement so they can do their work well and support for people who are challenged so that we don't end up with precisely what we've seen exactly. just these last couple and days. We say all the time, nobody wants to take uh, guns from responsible gun owners. And the Second Amendment back then, they were talking about muskets. Yeah. The hardware that we see on the streets, we've got to figure out a way to do something, but we're not going to solve that here at this particular time let's talk about your book because some people view this book as an opening argument for your uh declaration of presidency of the presidency what do you say to that you, no, that, you said you're considering yeah. it how close are you to making it so as for that uh, susan and i are thinking praying trying to figure out if this is the next place to go serve he's running we haven't 
come to that conclusion. We'll do but so. But how close are you? We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out in the next handful of months. Uh, but that's not why I wrote this book. He's uh, running. The book was actually supposed to be out in August, but the author was tardy in getting the manuscript completed. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to tell the story from my perspective for four years of the Trump administration and our effort to put the American people at the front of American foreign policy, how it matters to every American. You know, when you talk about Taiwan or this Moscow, it seems like a long ways away. But I wanted to share with the American people that it matters to every American Head that we CIA. get this right. And uh, America's place in the world matters, West and we Point, should defend it first in class. Well, President Trump has already announced that he's going to run again. Former Secretary of State. Is that having any, any impact no. on your decision? None. None. You don't feel... No. Uh, Disloyal taking no. him on if you decide to run against him? Oh, oh, goodness, no. When you run for president, you're making the case to the American people. So all the folks who decide to run on both sides of the aisle uh, will be presenting themselves, their ideas. They'll make arguments. I hope they'll speak in language that is fundamentally decent and speaks to the higher higher calling of America and is an optimistic message. So no, it won't matter to the Pompeos who else decides to run. Uh, we'll, we'll make that decision based on whether we think this is our moment. Well, Nikki Haley also says she's thinking about running and she comes up in your book a couple of times and in the book you say that she she had reached out to she had strongly hinted that maybe uh, she had re tried to replace Mike Pence as vice president. She denies that. She says that it's a claim and I want to quote her she calls lies and gossips that you wrote in your book that you were trying to sell. That when you wrote that she, that you were told that she was trying to replace Mike Pence as vice president. Yeah, she so says that's just you, liar, liar, pants on fire, yeah. that that never happened. What Chief, do you say? Chief Kelly told me it was true. I think Kellyanne Conway has confirmed that she thought it was true. But I didn't write about it for that reason. Why did you write I, about I wrote, it? I wrote that, that storyline because in the Trump administration, it, it was tough. Uh, the, the media was after us. They were trying to create a gap True. between you and the president every day. They were coming at all of us pretty hard. Yep. And so everyone was saying, get out, quit, run. Uh, Ambassador Haley didn't decide to stay. She decided to leave. When times were tough huh. and there were incredibly wow. dangerous places that America found itself, um, so many people on the team didn't stay. That? And, you know, she for me, decided every, day, to run. every day was a privilege to serve. I was the Secretary of State for a thousand days. Wow. I wasn't about to give up one single second of huh. it to focus on anything but doing Good my spin. duty to the country. But it did seem to be a lot of uh, fluid with the truth in the Trump administration. Would you agree with that? Um, just, I think politicians get back are to the book to here, Gail King. Uh, you might even find a time where you say, oh, Mike, I'm not sure you quite... We're clear. I, I try my best every day, and I did this as Secretary of State, too. I tried my best every day to, well, CI director, so we had to keep secrets. Yeah. But apart from that, uh, apart from that, I tried my best every day never to say anything that I did not know to be true. And if I couldn't speak about it, I just said, I'm sorry, I can't yeah. talk we about that. We understand the secrets. It's, it's uh, outright lies that I think many people have problems no, with. No leader should ever do that. Uh, uh, no leader in church, in a faith institution, no leader at the PTA meeting or school board, and no leader in Washington, D.C. In your book, you write very little about January 6th, but you did surprise me with this. When you said that January 6th, you described it as... The guy wants to uh, debate. Calling it the day that the left wanted to exploit... Randy Weingarten. Advantage. Really he wants to take on the head of the teachers union. Ask him about that. If, yeah, if they committed crimes, they should be convicted. Although I've said this for two and a half years now, however long it's been. Um, if you committed crimes, if you broke into the Capitol and committed violence, you should be prosecuted. I but, get that, but, but in the book, Mr. Secretary, yeah. you described it as a day that it was just exploited for yeah. Democrats. It, it, True. It has been exploited. It's absolutely been exploited by the left. Yes. I believe that firmly. I agree um, with we, that. We've had, we've had bad I like days Pompeo. in America before. That night ended in glory. 
That night ended in the United States of America completing its constitutional it process and confirming Still President Biden as the duly elected president of the United States. Uh, we should we should be proud of that, and we and we shouldn't use. We, we shouldn't use violence in a political way, whether that violence happens in the streets of Seattle or Minneapolis. Wow. The violence happened because the people that day that uh, took over the what Capitol about Atlanta? believed that the election had been stolen. Yes. And many people believe that they were urged to go to the Capitol to protest the way they did because of Donald Trump. Do you believe the election was stolen? No, I don't believe the election was stolen, Gail. But I do think we have an enormous confidence. Give him credit for going on this people. show. Secretary Clinton continues to talk about her election. That's right. As having not, we, have, we have two now. Two consecutive elections, and by the way, in 2000 we had the hanging chads. You're, you'll remember That's that. Right. We got to fix this. We've got to run election processes that are transparent, so that people can have confidence. But in Donald the Trump is still saying that. Have you told him maybe Look you should this. stop saying that? So he tries I, I to do an interview. He knows exactly what I think about the election. The entire interview, right, where I think we got it right, and where it's not about his book. I've, I've never talked about the election being stolen. Can I talk to you about classified documents? Because now oh, we have a sitting God. president and a former president. Hey, he agreed yes. to the interview. Have you looked in your own house? Do you have? Are you worried about maybe they'll find classified documents at your place, in your gym, in your garage? And what do you think about this? Well, I don't have a Corvette in there, no. uh, and so <laughs> good line. Uh, I, I don't think they will. But I'd say three things about this, and I write about this and never give an inch. I actually write about this. The book preceded uh, these issues, both at Mar-a-Lago and uh, in the president or the president's homes. Uh, if you have classified documents, handle them correctly. And if you find that you have in the wrong place. Take responsibility, take accountability, and turn them back in. Thank you. That's Mike Pompeo. Uh, listen, I think he'll be good for the race. I don't know. Maybe as a VP? Maybe as a president? I don't know. We'll have to hear. Folks, remember, you. we never know, to me, and I tell people this, until you see them up on the stage, you never know. It's Tuesday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401 401- 434-1510, Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.
thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, dePietro.com. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe. Trusted oil delivery. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401 942 7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942- 7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service matthews oil company 401-942-7500